Welcome back to ESPN Scrum Reset. Is It is the kickoff episode for season 2022. It feels like uh, we only just finished up there um, after a long season in 2021, but there's been plenty happening uh, in Australian sport. Of course, the Novak Djokovic saga, Justin Langer, um, your host Sam Bruce got married, then got the spicy cough. And we got Christy Doran back with us uh, for another year, which is great news. Um, Christy, mate, welcome back. Uh, how was the time off? And uh, I know you're on the cricket beat, but um, any news on your front? No real news on my front, mate. There's no cough. I'm just smooth sailing, baby. It's all good. Well done. If you managed to avoid it uh, in Sydney, if you spent most of your time in Sydney through the summer uh, break, then uh, you've done pretty well if you uh, you haven't contracted COVID. But uh, thankfully, it only knocked me around for about 48 hours and I am as fit as a fiddle and raring to go for what promises to be another huge rugby season. Kicking off now, uh, recording this podcast Wednesday before the week, uh, we kick off Super Rugby, so about 10 days out. Um, Christy, I think um, Super Rugby Pacific, everyone is, is at this stage renewed by what it, it might be able to to uh, generate in terms of interest in Australian rugby. There's this feeling that um, on this side of the Tasman anyway, that the best format um, has always been this trans-Tasman competition. It fits into our time zone so well, being just the two hours difference. Um, we get all the games when we can watch them. Um, and we've also got the addition, of course, of Moana Pacifica and Fiji and Drua which I think is exciting. Um, for you, is this the best iteration of the competition we've seen, say, since Super 12, Super 14? You know what the best thing about it is, is that you generally speaking, if things aren't quite right, you're always asking, oh, I know, should this happen? Should this happen? No one's asking that question because yeah. everyone's pretty excited about what's here, what's presented. The hope is, fingers crossed, COVID, borders, it doesn't kind of come crumbling down this year, but absolutely, this is, is what exactly what the competition has needed for years. Um, you know, people are still debating whether or not South Africa in, in the years to come will be part of the rugby championship. Fingers crossed they will continue to, and I think they probably will for two reasons. One, tradition up in the Northern Hemisphere, and secondly, why join them when they've only had one World Cup um, between them? You know, you can't lie with the stats. They're pretty damning. Um yeah, this, this is exciting. The Fiji and Drua, they will play some interesting, scintillating, at times pretty open and average rugby, I dare say. But what they'll bring is colour and flair, um, excitement. It's going to be a real breath of fresh air. Moana Pacific is a slightly different one, I think. Um, a lot of them uh, have, have come from either Australia or New Zealand, you know, the Pacific themselves or the heritage. But... These, the, the group that the Fiji and Adrua have um, brought together, they're very much a, a, the bloke of, blokes from, you know, the islanders that are already there on the island pretty much. So, you know, various members of the Fiji Sevens. So it's not like they've kind of come together and, and um, you know, like the Christian Leilofanos and the Gopi Kepus who have played for years and years of that structured rugby that we've seen in Australia. How they come together will be interesting because they're, I think it's a little bit more structure in there. Obviously, with the with the, the huge amount of culture that they bring to it and the um, the tribalism that they bring to the, the game as well, you know, they're going to have Aaron Major as their coach who's come through that very formulaic kind of New Zealand system as well, has had, a, you know, glimpses of success, but also has probably struggled at times. So, uh, Leicester and the Highlanders and now he's the Moana Pacific. So, 
I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And I think uh, anyone in across Sydney um, or New South Wales or wherever it is, there's Fijians that are in the ground, uh, you're going to be able to hear them. And that's what Super Rugby Pacific desperately needs is more atmosphere. And I think we're going to finally get it. Yeah, I was at the Waratahs uh, launch dinner last night in Sydney and um, rumour going around there that it's been up to about uh, 15,000 tickets purchased by Fijian personality um, that is going to uh, ensure quite a big Fijian attendance there. And uh, talking to a few of the Waratahs um, staffers, they're actually quite nervous about getting the Drua first up because, you know, I think this game probably goes one of two ways. It's Combank on, on Friday night. Um, the Blues and Moana Pacifica will get us going for kickoff across the Tasman to start with. But um, that game in Sydney on, on Friday night, you can imagine just how amped up Fiji and Drua are going to be to come out of that game. Um, it's going to be a hugely physical contest, as you say. Fully expect them to, to throw the ball around. And um, it's going to be a real test for this new Waratahs team under Darren Coleman, isn't it, first up? It, um, it looks like a great way to start the season. Yeah, yeah, it does. I think that the concern is uh, it's very hard to be conditioned for 80 minutes. That's the concern. Can they go the journey? Can their set piece hold up? You know, the Waratahs are set piece. They're probably fortunate in the sense that they come up against the Tars first up from a set piece perspective because the line out, there's a couple of new second rollers there. Um, you know, the, the hookers are, have had injury troubles there and you're going to be coming back. So the confidence won't quite be there from a technical perspective and from a cohesion perspective. From the scrum, there's a couple of okay front rollers there for the Tars. But yeah, if they can if they can uh, go and match them in that area, I think the Drua will be a sneaky chance because the Waratahs will be nervous, as you said. You know, you don't necessarily want to come up against a team like that where you probably thought you need to put them away, but we can't forget that this team went winless from 13 last year. So yeah, you know, I'm looking forward to to how the Waratahs rebuild underneath Darren Coleman. Um, we've seen glimpses of it. I wrote just the other day for Code um, about you know the, the the frank discussions that Darren Coleman had to his team, uh, to his squad when he first arrives, and he says, you know, I've been hearing for quite a while around you know the demandables here, and they're not particularly first class, they're not flashy. Yeah, we're going to have a new sweet high performance facility here next year, but if you don't actually put in this year, you're not going to be there. And I just like some of the things that they've done, integrating a few of the old legends of the of, of New South Wales rugby, you know, the likes of of Rob Horn and Chris Whitaker, and obviously he's a coach there, uh, you know, Phil War, Matt Burke. These kind of guys will just rub off a little bit. And I know that what, what Darren Common wanted there was the ability that if they do lose and have a bad defeat, some of those old guys can come in and they're not just outsiders or names. They're actually developed relationships where they can go, you know, things will be all right. They'll turn around. So that's some of the exciting stuff from that perspective from the, for the Waratahs. Let's look a little bit wider in the competition. Uh, of course, I think we're all fully expecting New Zealand teams to, to dominate. I've, I've certainly got them filling three of the semifinals positions. We know it's an eight-team final series, so uh, that's going to help at least one Australian team out, you would think, and hopefully a, a couple more. Um, the competition really does need the Australian teams to, to be competitive, to be um, a success on this side of the Tasman anyway. And I'm sure help New Zealand engagement. We're not sure what's going to happen yet with that back half of the competition or back third of the competition following um, the Super Round in Melbourne, which I think is a, a great addition. And hopefully we, we get um, you know some good crowds down there at Amy Park over the three days. 
um, whether the New Zealand teams will have to hang around in Australia at, at this point afterwards, you would think probably, yes, that is going to be the case, just given the, the New Zealand border situation and, and the vagaries, I guess, around having to quarantine um, or, or isolate for a week over there. It's not a great way to prepare for a game. So the Australian teams, they might actually be helped in that regard. But certainly last year, the 2-23 and 23 return in, in Super Rugby Trans-Tasman was, was dire. Um, mm. Of course, there were probably, I guess, another three or four games in there that, that could have gone either way. Um, the Brumbies were very strong against the Crusaders to start with. I think he outscored them four tries to three, maybe. Um, the Force really should have beaten the Chiefs first up. Um, and, and the Rebels, you know, weren't, you know, really disgraced. They lit a lot of points in, but they had plenty of points in them. But but this year, that's simply got to improve. Now, I, no, I don't think we're going to see the Australian strike rate jump up to, say, 50% by any stretch, but it's certainly got to be better than two and 23, hasn't it, Christy? It's going to be about 30, 30% as a minimum. I, I would think that they would be wanting, you know, you're always targeting for higher than that, but 33% um, at, at a bare minimum. Um, we know that last year, a lot of, you know, a lot of pundits or press were thinking seven wins, if Shaw could get seven or even nine. I wasn't quite as optimistic about that, but that, that had more to do with the draws and where, you know, injuries were and so forth. You know, I put it to Dave Rennie yesterday. I said, I don't think you're going to put a number to it, but what are the hopes, et cetera, et cetera. And he was very coy, didn't want to give much away because, you know, yeah, the Wallabies and Rugby Australia, I don't think want to be seen to be putting excess pressure on, on the squads. So, um, yeah, I, I think if you, if you run through the list, the Reds, the Brumbies should be very competitive. Um, you, know, you look at the Brumbies front row, it's still first class. You look at the halfback pairing, it's first class. You know, Lenny Kitao, 13, very good player. They've got depth in the outside backs. They couldn't even find room for, for Mac Hansen. Um, and, and similarly for the Reds, they've got a, a pretty well-developed um, and developing second row, um, one of the world's best tight heads, um, a good halves pairing, um, very, very good centres pairing and strike power out wide. The question for me with the Reds is now with Richie Asatire, um, the, the hooker, that has gone down. I was told by Sam Fordingley before the season, before last weekend, in fact, there's someone to look out for. It is Richie. Unfortunately, he goes and breaks his arm. That's really, really poor timing for the Reds because off the back of losing Brandon Payne and Ramosa, they've really now only just got one bit hooker. Um, and that is going to be Alex Murphy. And, and we know that he's had injury struggles, hamstring issues. So if, if the Reds don't have a hooker that can fire the line Already out. The eight ball, yeah. It could be a, a situation where the Wallabies have struggled for years and years and their whole set-piece plan goes to crap because they're not going to be able to win the ball. That's the real concern I have for the Reds. I don't have that concern with the Brumbies. They've actually got depth at two. They've got depth at nine. Um, and, you know, they've now got another 10 option in case something happens to Noel Lola. So, you know, I'm going to put it out there now. Brumbies are my team. I think they'll top the Australian conference. Um, I'll get it in there early, and it's because of the extra depth there. Yeah, I agree. I, I just uh, was going to recall last year in Super Rugby AU, I think our first ever episode, I think I went the Reds and you went the Brumbies on that occasion. And and uh, as it was, the Reds got the chocolates there five minutes into uh, into uh, – well, not extra time, but five minutes after the final siren there at Suncorp. So it's 1-0 Bruce. 
Um, but I agree uh, on that front. I think the Brumbies will be the pick of the Australian teams. Um, you know, listening to Dan McKellar on the on his uh, Super Rugby launch this week, saying that you know they're just going to continue to play that that Brumbies game that is and has been so successful virtually throughout you know the entirety of, of Super Rugby. Um, solid set piece. Um, they'll play territory when they need to, and they've clearly got some attacking weapons there. And you know, Tom Wright and and uh, and Tom Banks, you know, as a, as a player, we're, we're keen to see hopefully go on with it this year after his injury that curtailed what was probably a building test season, I think, last year. Um, they are, you know, again, that's the team to be. Nick Frost there at lock, I think, um, is, a, is a forward I'm really excited about for the future. And we know Darcy Swain and, and of course, Bobby Valentini, who we spoke about it, you know, ad nauseum on this podcast last year. Um, for him to go to that next level is, you know, they've really got the the building blocks on it in the building blocks, a really strong platform there to, to launch from. And, um, you know, I think if Australia are going to get one team into those semifinals, so to win a quarterfinal, it will be uh, will be the Brumbies. I agree. Uh, Christy, let's look across to Tasman. Now, the natural thing is to assume that the competition's been won and run. The run and one, sorry, the Crusaders will, uh, will romp and sweep everything before them. Uh, and take the title yet again. But we've got to remember they, they just kind of slipped a little bit in, in Trans-Tasman last year. Um, still won, of course, all five of their games, but um, didn't pick up uh, bonus points at home to uh, both the Brumbies and Forces. I was checking last year, but a dr- dramatic finish there to the Force, which really came back to cost them. Uh, and they missed uh, that uh, that second finals position to the Highlanders or final position um by uh by the virtue i think about seven points in the end or six points so a, a converted try now i'm sure scott robinson's been using that as a motivator over the preseason um to really i guess had one of the challenges of motivating a squad that you know has really dominated super rugby for the last five six years um how to get them up again and i'm sure that would have been a tool of his to really bring the best out of this squad which you know remains as strong as ever and also they add pablo Matera. Yeah, how good's Pablo Matera? That will add some spice to it. Look, yeah, I think he probably will use it as a slight motivation. But let's be frankly honest: if you win five games um, and you don't make a final, or you don't, you know, don't win that little extra competition and and so forth, yeah, I don't think he'll he'll mind too much. To be frankly honest, um, uh, the the Crusaders clearly are going to be formidable once again you know Sam Whitelock there throughout now um I'm, I'm curious to see how those guys that had sabbaticals how they come back and how to like because the All Blacks were a little bit flat at the end of last year some of their key players they lose obviously against Ireland and France to finish the year um the Blues are exciting they're exciting because I think they'll also tap into a bit of the rugby league audience here in Australia um which is necessary um we know we know this shows that rugby you've had in terms of popularity, in terms of media coverage. Having someone like a Roger Tuivasa-Shek come into the competition will add another dimension because there'll be a natural interest from those that are rugby league fans about how this guy goes, whether or not he becomes an All Black in the first match, the first opportunity, or how how soon after does that um, happen? Because you know. World Cup is in 2023. There's home world. Obviously, there's a World Cup in Australia in 27. There'll be a lot of interest. Do people like Caelan Ponga in, in, in the rugby league start to look and go, geez, Roger's gone all right, hasn't he? Or he hasn't gone as well as one might have thought. And it will pose questions. It will add to the landscape. So I'm, I'm fascinated by that. 
The other person I'm, I'm really hoping, well, there's a couple of, couple of players that are returning. Um, Wasaki Naholo, I think, um, who's, who's around again. He's not at the Highlanders uh, from memory. Training with the Crusaders, but I did see something this morning potentially linking him with a return to the Highlanders yet. So um, I think a bit of a watch this space on that one. Wouldn't that be great? But it needs personalities, you know. The guys, like, the people that really get me excited across the ditch are guys like Nehi, Milner, Scudder, and I, I, you know, we need to see excitement both sides of the ditch and names on both sides of the ditch. And that's a really exciting thing. You know, it's a little bit like Jamie Roberts, the Waratahs, I think, as well. Another big name. Um, but the other thing that I think is, is interesting, like just returning to Australian rugby for a second, is the tents. Like we, we all know that Quade Cooper and James O'Connor were the guys that, that were taken on the end-of-season spring tour. Eventually, Noel Lawless, gets caught up. But there are a lot of young 10s here in Australia and rugby. Once we all looked across the ditch in New Zealand and thought, far out, there's so many 10s over there. Where's one in Australia? Um, you know, they all seem like they're either side of 30. Uh, now that there's six, seven youngsters who are the ages of 20, 21, 22, who are all really talented, in Australian rugby that are going to be wearing the 10 jersey this year. That's what I'm most looking forward to from an Australian rugby perspective. Who, who takes the number 10 jersey? Who adds to it? Who puts pressure on Nola Lucia um, to perhaps become the next 10, young 10 that will probably be playing behind Quade Cooper? Okay, well, let's go through them then, Christy. Obviously, we've, we've seen quite a bit of them at the Waratahs in uh, both Will Harrison and... and and Ben Donaldson and, and Harrison kind of ended up more in that fullback role last year, which seemed to work um, reasonably well for them. A bit of talk, he may still wind up there yet. Waratahs haven't quite settled yeah. on their fullback. Um, Brumbies, of course, Lola CEO. Uh, we know his story from last year. Um, and then Melbourne Rebels, uh, Carter Gordon, which we kind of got a couple of really nice glimpses of in Trans-Tasman last year. Um, a bigger body, which is probably a little bit or certainly taller and, and listening to Kevin Foote this week saying he's actually filled out a bit. He's only 21, but he's managed to put a bit of bulk on on that frame, um, of course. Uh, and then we've got Rajan Pazatoa, who's gone across to the force, um, where where Jake McIntyre is still there. Uh, I, personally, I've you know I've never really seen what he has offered at, at Super Rugby. He hasn't been able to really step up and and take command of that team. So will we see more of Pazitara over there? I guess, mate, to you, which of these young guys are you most excited about? Oh, I think Carter, Gordon and Rajan Pazitara. I think those two guys. Um, Carter Gordon's a little bit older than Pazitara, so it wouldn't surprise me if he's caught into a Wallabies training squad at some point in time throughout the year. I don't think Rajan will get there this year, but you, know, you look down to the future and you look at 25 and you look at 27, and those two aren't that far far away. It's five years away, really. Like it's not it's not that far away. And and when similarly, potentially they're, they're going to be in the you know the absolute or prime of their careers. Absolutely. And you know Tom Lyon is another one. We know that he had a couple of good touches, and we know that he's a, he's a name. Sam Cordingley just the other day, straight on the blower, straight messaging his old man Michael immediately That's after the game. Fair so, pedigree there. Fair pedigree, and he's got silkiness about him. I think. Carter Gordon, um, something that Nick Styles told me just before a week or two ago was that he's got quite long arms. There's a little bit of Stephen Larkham about him um, and what he yep. can do. Um, Rajar Pasatoa, he led an Australian side to a New Zealand school boys victory over New Zealand schools just two years ago. And, you know, he was probably third choice 
team at the Brumbies two years ago where Noah Lolosio was there, but Rajan's 17 at the time. Um, very young. He's got a real opportunity. Um, he's coming with Bailey Quinzel as well as Isaac Fiennes to, to uh, the Western Force. Now, they've got a, a relationship. They've been playing alongside each other for two years. It's not like they've come out of and they're playing alongside a new halfback. There, there's some things that you can be really encouraged by. Um, ben Donaldson, from what I'm hearing, is the favourite and will probably play at 10 for the Waratahs. Another guy who plays flat at the line and just has a real natural ability about him. There's a lot to be excited about these guys. Really, it's going to probably come down to which forward pack can dominate and get them some quick ball because we know that that's what you need as a 10. Yeah, absolutely. A, a lot to be Excited about from an Australian perspective, and uh, yeah, there's nothing better than having a a, a long list of uh, of young number tens to really come on and uh, and see who uh, who steps up and grabs that uh, that jersey through to the 2027 World Cup. And uh, you know, you were throwing uh, James O'Connor and Quay Cooper this year and next year, and um, yeah, it's certainly the number one, uh, or certainly among the the top storylines in Australian rugby moving forwards. Um, all right, Christy, what about then? I guess a bounce back player from an Australian perspective. Um, let's throw Noah Lolaseo in there. Um, of course, yep. started all three games against France, um, was virtually the match winner in that final game there in Brizzy, um, then did it tough against New Zealand in the, the three Bledisloe games, um, and then virtually was stuffed around, I guess, with that whole debacle of the Giddo Law um, and uh, Quaid, um, Sam McCrevy and, uh, and Sean McMahon. Um, not really committing, um, and, and Wallaby's management uh, still picking them there. And we all remember that that episode and how it really, I guess, took the wind out of the the, the closing games, closing tests of of the test season. Um, Harry Wilson um, started all three tests against France from memory, or, or certainly the first two, um, and then drifted almost, you know, from memory completely. Um, Really wasn't factoring in there. Uh, Bobby Valentini was was obviously asserting himself, and then we saw Rob Liotta come in and really make a fist of things towards the the back end of the year. Um, was put on, wasn't taken on tour. Was given this, you know, this rigorous training off season plan to to get himself into into shape and and add a few little different technical elements to his game as well. And then of course James O'Connor, um, who you know looked to be in the box seat um, for that Wallabies ten jersey, but. Um, injury, you know, curtailed his season there um, about midway through Super Rugby Trans-Tasman from memory. And he only really made a return there first off the bench in, in uh, on the spring tour. And then um, did he start the, the final game, final two games against Wales and Scotland or was it all three? I think it was... I think it was all three from memory, but it was certainly all three because play didn't go on after Japan. So, I mean, mate, which of those players for you bounces back in a big way this year? Um, I think, you know, we're, we're all in agreement that they're clearly test quality players, but um, who do you think uh, bounces back in, in 2022? Well, the other one that we can add into that list, Lucan Salakai Loto. He was yep. a regular for the Wallabies and dropped and didn't make the spring tour. I know that that stung him. He felt a bit aggrieved, like, what's what the heck's doing here? He was part of the leadership group in 2020. Um, he's still got to work out what position he's going to play, and I think he needs to lose some of that arrogance about him, um, that, that entitlement, I think, that has come there a little bit with him. Um, I would think Harry Wilson is in the the bloke that I would expect to bounce back uh, the most. I think Noah Lawsio, too, 
Um, but I, I, I've always thought that Noel Olsey was a good player, even at the times against the All Blacks. Um, in, the, in, the, in the three tests that he started there, yes, things didn't work. Yes, there were times when he didn't make the right option. But he's got the had the ability right the way through those three tests making line breaks. And a fly half has to be able to make a line break, challenge the line. Still the number one concern about James O'Connor is how do they challenge the line? Noah can do that. That's why I think he'll continue to be able to play. He's great. There's no learner. Wants to. Um, but Harry Wilson, I think out of all those four, will have a real beanie's bonnet. I think the, the preseason would have done a lot for him. Um, it's easy to remember that this guy was 20 when he you know, suddenly starts pretty much every game for the Reds. Becomes, you know, he's, he's anointed as one of the best youngsters in the world by Scott Robertson. There's a lot there. And I don't think his performance dropped massively. It's just he wasn't necessarily able to have a preseason to get stronger, to get bigger. And that's what last year would have allowed him to do. There was no, is he going to come into the squad? Is he not like there was no Lolosio? I think Harry Wilson is primed for a big one. He's got a really good attitude about him. Um, and attitude is, I think, just about the most important word that can be used about this year with every single Australian Super Rugby player. Because as much as Rob Valentini had a really good year last year, you know, it's one year. And, and good players, great test players aren't formed over one year. It's over five, six years of being able to do it week in, week out. That's, that's why Michael Hooper's won four, four John Eels medals. I wrote the other day that Michael Hooper isn't necessarily a match winner, that he will never lose you a match um, because of his work rate and his consistency. But how many matches he has, has he actually swung the test? And you think of David Pocock and he would do that. George Smith would do that. They would win tests on the back of what they could do. Michael Hooper has that unbelievable consistency and all of the show super rugby players need to really take a big leap out of his book and go, how do we become Michael Hooper's? Because if they do that, Australian rugby will be so much better. All right, then. Um, nice segue into uh, another question for you. I guess who goes on with it of, of not necessarily the breakout stars, but I guess guys who, who stepped up to test level and, and solidified themselves. Let's talk Rob Liotta, Andrew Kellaway, um, Izzy Parisi probably didn't get as many cracks as he would like because of that shoulder injury in the final game of the Trans-Tasman. I'll throw in Angus Bell, um, Bobby Valentini, Darcy Swain. Which one of these guys who, who got a taste and, and some obviously asserted themselves more than others, but um, who goes on with it and really joins that elite level of, of test player, if any of them, do you think? Oh, I think Angus Bell. Oh, I'm so impressed by this youngster. I think he's a great talent. If he's not ahead of James Slipper at the start of the year, uh, sorry, by the end of the year, I'll be surprised if he isn't come 2023. This guy is going places, I think. Um, there's a real desire to learn. There's a bit of humility about him. He's engaging in off his own back. Um, various charity kind of things. Um, but he's just got a great body, good body shape, um, a strong ball carrier. And there's no, there's something no frills about him. You know, he's not looking for headlines. He will, he will go up and he'll front up to do media things, but he's not necessarily wanting to be there. But he, he, he gets it. I think Angus Bell is a real player to watch. He's so young, he's 21, 22, and yet he's played now 20 test matches. Um, that's really exciting. Um, 
And Darcy Swain is another one that Shire needs second rollers to really kick on. And he's someone who's got that body shape that you know is tall. Uh, you know that he likes to put hits on. I think we discussed um, around the, the Super Rugby final, or it might have been the week before that when they played, um, he, he has a bit of mongrel about him as well. He doesn't mind the slight border. Um, let's, let's knock the fly half or whoever the kicker is on the ground. And even if it's a split second late, he doesn't really mind that. But, you know, I, don't, I think it's, it probably goes against the culture of the modern world that you can't say that sort of thing. But you need that. Brody Vitalik's a master of that. Even Etzabeth's a master of that. You've got to have some, some mongrel about you. So those two, I think the Wallabies forwards need to really aim up. And if they do that, it will allow for quicker, flatter ball. Uh, and there's some good halfbacks around around the traps. Obviously, Tate McDermott's the best runner in Australian rugby. Jake Gordon knows how to pick out the gap. He was pretty disappointed with his international season. I expect he will continue to kick on. Um, Ryan Lonigan is a really astute, crafty halfback. He's got good fundamentals, but he's also probably the best goal kicker in Australia. That, I don't think, can be underestimated. And if he's able to start to play not just 20 minutes, but 30 minutes, I, I wouldn't surprise me if he features for Australian rugby before the World Cup as well. I know that there's three good halfbacks around, but he's a really solid guy that, that you can rely on. So watch that space for him, I think. And the other one, Josh Fluke. I reckon Josh Fluke is in for a big year. He's a guy that has great body shape, has got good ball skills. He's quick. Uh, one of the quickest at the Queensland Reds. Um, I'm really excited to be to see Josh Fluke. If Hunter is at 12, Josh Fluke will be at 12 or uh, 13. I reckon he's another guy that will go toe to toe with Danny Ketow, who we know defensively is, is awesome, got a left foot, got a lot of things going for him. But depth, that's what we want to be talking about. We don't want to just be talking about the 15 that Australia's selectors are going to be picking each week. We want to see who, who could be the second 15. Because that is when we're going to start to go, oh, right, Australian rugby is in okay health. Um, that's mine. What, what, do you, what do you think? Is there, is there one or two? Well, man, I agree on Fluke there. There's just a little bit of Daniel Herbert about it. And you got me thinking about the patches that we saw last year. His power running. Um, he's, uh, I think there's a bit of an offload there too. Um, so exciting to watch. I'm glad you brought up the, the halfbacks there because I'm really intrigued to see you know, there's there's no you wouldn't say there's probably the complete halfback there within the Australian. Certainly, Nick White's the closest to them, um, but you look across. Nick White's got the best kicking game and um, probably the best you know pass on par with with Ryan Lonigan. Um, we know the running quality of both Tate and uh, and Jake Gordon, as you mentioned as well. But there's not really that complete, I guess, number nine that um, you look for. Say like a Ben Youngs, and who's just about. Um, going to go past it, I think is the the first England centurion um, or, you know, a free Dupree, these kind of truly great world-class halfbacks, Aaron Smith, obviously. Um, which of these guys can can bring together the complete arsenal of, of scrum half skills and really step up and, and dominate that position? Because, yeah, sure, Nick White's going to be the favourite and, and we know he's a proven test performer, but these guys, they're, they're certainly nipping in his heels and uh, certainly for Jake and, and Tate, if they can just add in that that real crispness of pass. They've they've each got kind of, you know, two or three pretty dusty balls in them per game, I think, at this point. Yeah. Tate certainly really lacks that 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 bullet pass, you know, that 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 real zing on the ball that 
that gives that uh, gives his playmakers, whether it be ten or or fifteen, that little you know extra half second on the ball. Um, and I'm sure James O'Connell will be keen to to get that speed of delivery up. Jake Gordon's the same, a, a brilliant runner of the ball, but um, really lacks that that dynamism in his pass. I think so. It's an, another intriguing storyline there. That um, yeah, there's there's really good. Not even rough diamonds. These guys are excellent Super Rugby players, and they're proven at that level now. But to really go on and, and you know be that world class Test player, they've got to complete the the list of um, skills in their in their skill set. There's two things that I also want to say. Um, the two pretty much well, Fraser right. I think he's in for another big year. This guy's a, a quality quality player. How Australian rugby. Allows a game to develop a phrase McWright that can play not necessarily start with the Wallabies, but can put pressure, can ease some of the burden off Michael Hooper. He's a guy we need to start to see play for the Wallabies. He's a he's an international player, and you run the risk of losing him um, to overseas if you, if you don't. Like he he he'll be the the seven. I suspect Michael Hooper will play for the Waratahs in 2020, or he will in 2023. He might be contracted in 24, perhaps. But he needs to, uh, he, Fraser McRide, if, he, if he's patient enough, can play 50, 60 chess for Australia, for sure. Um, but the fullback position is the other one that is so crucial for Australian rugby. They really need to develop a couple of others. And the, one of the factors that I think, is disappointing about the Mac Hansen departure to Ireland is I felt that Mac Hansen has more upside than Tom Banks. I like Tom Banks as a person. He's a really nice guy, um, has a big boot, but I think he has a ceiling almost. Um, and Mac Hansen, I think his ceiling is much higher because he's a ball player as well. Um, he can sniff out a try. He doesn't just rely on out-and-out pace, um, which is what Tom Banks often relies on. Who, who becomes – we know that Kurtley Bill is likely to, to come back to Australia um, and, and he will press and challenge Tom Banks, probably Reese Hodge as well. But Reese Hodge and Tom Banks are very similar sorts of players in the sense that they're not steppers, they're not natural ball players. Who, who becomes the natural ball playing 15 in Australian rugby is a really interesting question because Jock Campbell, for whatever reason, isn't thought of as an international player. The Western Force haven't got one just yet. Um, and the Waratahs are still trying to find it. They're 15 as well. We know that Tom Banks, you know, he's, he's their out-and-out fullback choice at the moment. Had Mark Hansen played half a dozen games there last year and Tom on the wing, we would have found out much more about Hansen, but also Shane Rugby's depth at the position. It's it's a really big question. Um, Jordan Pattaya, does he become into the mix? I don't think he's going to start. I think he's going to start on the wing. I don't think that they're seeing him just yet as a fullback. Brad Thorne made that clear six months ago, and I still think that's going to be the case, that he won't start at fullback. He might get more time there throughout games. Um, and Suli Bulavalu is another guy that we haven't spoken about, but if he can stay on the park and be fit, well, he's, he's a mountain. He's their quickest player at the Queensland Reds too. He doesn't necessarily look like, well, we haven't seen enough of him, but he's their quickest. So there are some mouth-watering kind of ideas and prospects out there. Whether or not I can stay in the park is the big one, isn't it? Yeah, rumours uh, just late last year around Sully being a little bit unsettled there at the Reds and a bit of rugby league noise again. Um, you always take that with a grain of salt, but given his history with the Storm, 
certainly worth keeping an eye on. Uh, Chrissy, look, I think we could go all day, mate, at this rate, and, and I'm already feeling even more excited about what's coming next week after yarning for the best part of what are we up to about 40 minutes now. Gone overs yet again. Uh, mate, thanks very much for the time. Um, looking forward to getting your thoughts uh, weekly this year, as is the plan. Um, it's uh, it's going to be a bumper year, of course, England coming out for three tests after Super Rugby Pacific and Ireland um, going to New Zealand. And, and won't that be a fascinating series on the back of Ireland's winning in Dublin last year, rolling to the Rugby Championship Spring Tour. My goodness, uh, it's episode one of a, of a long year, mate. Uh, pace yourself. Um, looking forward to following your work uh, across the board now. It's just about everywhere. Code, Fox, the 15, um, I assume, uh, are still the places to find you. Um, mate, uh, yeah, yeah, go well, and uh, we'll speak again soon. Great to chat. And if anyone's got questions or comments, make sure you uh, let us know and happy to get there too. But thanks. Cheers. Looking forward to it. Absolutely, yep. Uh, hit us up with any thoughts you've got, guys, throughout the year. And, uh, yeah, we look forward to bringing you another episode of ESPN Scrum Reset after round one of Super Rugby Pacific. <laughs>